Hey there, I'm Caitlin Daly, and you're listening to Listen Up, a podcast series that shows you how to get more out of the music you love. I can still remember the first time I heard Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb. Oh, whoa. Sorry about that. I still get lost in my own world whenever I hear this song. It makes me want to turn off the lights, lay down, shut my eyes, and go away for a little bit. I think everyone has at least one song that takes them to this place, a mystical state that is transcendent. But what about the music makes us do this? And where do we go when we listen to it? In this episode, I want to take a deeper look at music that can be transcendent for its listeners and practitioners. Transcendence is sometimes defined as collapsing the boundaries between the spiritual world and the human world through some sort of experience. In religious ceremonies, transcendence is believed to happen in two basic ways. Either a person can enter a trance state when their soul leaves their body and heads into the other world, or their body can be taken over by possession when another spirit enters their body. Music often accompanies these ceremonies as a way to either start, end, or to heighten the experience. In Madagascar, trumba ceremonies are often performed to please ancestral spirits of either one's family or royalty. In this clip from a trumba ceremony, you'll hear the singer accompanying herself on a zither, which is a stringed instrument like a lap guitar. Another person plays a rattle. They're evoking six kindred spirits to possess them. Listen to how they repeat the same rhythm and pitches. The repetition really kind of puts you in a trance, doesn't it? In a 2011 study that was later published in the International Journal of Yoga, doctors found that the repetition of the word OM deactivated their patients' limbic systems. Deactivate here doesn't mean total shutdown, but rather that the system sort of is relaxed. The limbic system is in charge of motivations, emotions, and behavior. So if the vibrations from a repetitive chant relax it, then the end result is a calm state of nothingness. Many styles of chanting from around the world have the same effect. For example, Santeria is an Afro-Cuban religion with elements of Catholicism and Yoruba. Music is sometimes played in their rituals to invite a deity into whatever space the group is in, particularly to take part in a possession of one of their bodies. In this recording, the participants are welcoming Yamaya, the goddess of the sea. Each instrument has its own rhythmic pattern that adds to the structure as a whole. Since Yamaya is affiliated with the sea, you'll also notice that each rhythm is kind of long and undulating, just like the sea.
So the two clips we just listened to were all about music being used to invite spirits to come into the participants' bodies and possess them. But remember that transcendence can also happen when the participant's spirit exits their bodies, not just when other spirits go into them. Some Buddhist and Hindu practices, for example, use repetitive chanting to reach the divine. Listen to this recording of Tibetan Buddhist monks chanting in unison during a ceremony. Music is used by Sufi Muslims in the same kind of way, as Sufism is considered to be the more mystical branch of Islam, since followers seek to unify themselves with Allah through their religious practice. Sufis have their own genres of poetry and music and chanting that help their devotees succeed in this. One type of poetic genre is called kafi, and it has its own type of poetry and music that often accompanies the poetry. Kafi singing is usually accompanied by a harmonium and two small drums, and is super emotional and intense, as the singer is having an emotional experience. Pakistani singer Abida Parveen helped to bring coffee music to the Western Hemisphere. Listen to her singing this poem by 18th century poet Bula Shah. This style of singing is apparent in a recent Bollywood movie called Rockstar. The film's plot is about a young guy who wants to make it big in the rock world, but quickly realizes that he doesn't have enough life experience to write songs that other people will relate to. About halfway through the movie, when he has fallen in love and then lost her, he writes this piece called Kun Faya Kun, which translates into B, and it is. You'll hear the same sounds as in the more traditional work by Abida Parveen, but with more modern twists too. It turned out to be one of my favorite songs from the movie. All of the major religious traditions around the world have some kind of mystical or spiritual aspect to them. Like the Sufis and the Tibetan Buddhists, repetition is often found in these types of music. For some Western composers, their religion is a major part of their life and permeates their music. For example, British composer John Tavener converted to the Orthodox Church in 1977. After his conversion, Tavener never really gets far from the texts and musical ideas of his religion. For example, listen to this part of his piece, A Hymn to the Mother of God. Listen to the way that he uses repetition, making different phrases repeat by different groups within the choir. The sound is ecstatic. One of the earliest mystics in the Catholic Church is the earliest known female composer in Western art music, who also happens to have one of my favorite names ever, Hildegard von Bingen. She lived in the 12th century and is one of the most prolific authors of chant that we know of. 
besides her other written works on theology, medicine and healing, and plays. Starting at an early age, Hildegard had visions that she believed came to her from the Holy Spirit. She never thought that she composed the music, but rather that God was sending her messages in music, which she merely recorded down for others to perform and hear. Listen to a bit of her chant, O Yukari. There is always something so mystical about hearing chant. If you enjoyed listening to Hildegard being performed as is, you might enjoy the 1994 album called Vision, which was a part of a sort of Hildegard resurgence that started in the 70s and 80s. The Vision album takes her chants and puts them in front of new age and world music sounds. Take a listen to the same chant you just heard, but on the Vision album. In terms of later classical music, two composers who are well-known for their spiritual and mystical philosophies are French composer Olivier Messiaen and Russian composer Alexander Scriabin. Scriabin was known for following his own type of belief based loosely on theosophy, which is a part of the occult that tried to get direct answers about life and the universe from nature. He's best known in music history for having a special chord attributed to him called the mystic chord. According to him, this chord was supposed to reveal the secrets of the universe that are otherwise beyond human comprehension. Take a listen to what it sounds like, first note by note, and then all together. I know the secret of life now, don't you? If you want to hear more of this chord, check out his piece named Prometheus, The Poem of Fire, which used the mystic chord as well as other tones and sounds that were supposed to each be equated with a certain color. Take a listen. Messian was a devout Catholic and identified his music as more theological or God-driven, like Hildegard. In one of his most well-known pieces, Van Regard's Sur l'Enfant Jésus, which is 20 movements for solo piano based on Jesus' infancy, we can hear specific, short combinations of notes and rhythms that are meant to signify themes in Jesus' story. For example, here's a theme called Theme of God. And here's the theme of the Star of the Cross. (laughs) 
and even theme of the chords. Back here in America, jazz legend John Coltrane was an incredibly interesting figure in a group of artists looking for new forms of spirituality and transcendence. Coltrane experienced what he called a spiritual awakening in the late 1950s and really began to explore using his new thoughts and ideas in his musical output. His spirituality was a pretty eclectic mix of ideas, stretching from his Western background of African-American Christianity all the way to Eastern ideals like Sufism. One of Coltrane's most famous works is A Love Supreme, which is a four-movement work dedicated to the one. Many listeners have identified a spiritual quality to the work, which would make Coltrane incredibly happy as he was attempting to present the sonic divine in musical form. Let's listen to the beginning of the piece's first movement called Acknowledgement. There's a haze of symbols setting a really beautiful stage for the piece as a whole. Towards the end of this clip, you'll hear the bass line come in, which is repeated incessantly throughout the piece, with Coltrane even singing a love supreme above it at the end of the movement. Coltrane's wife, Alice Coltrane, was an incredible composer and musician in her own right, and was equally committed to exploring musical transcendence in her work, particularly after her husband's death in 1967. Like John, she was a jazz musician at heart, but looked for inspiration in world philosophies. Specifically, she became a devotee of the guru Swami Sachinanda. In this work, she combines a standard jazz rhythm section with the sounds of Indian classical music. Alice is playing the harp. Towards the end of her life, she retreated from the public and became the spiritual director of an ashram in California. She led weekly rituals at the ashram that combined Hindi themes with her jazz and blues-influenced style. Recently, these tapes have been released for the public. As a last look at spirituality, I'll leave you with George Harrison's first single after the Beatles broke up, titled My Sweet Lord, which praised the Hindu god Krishna, but also brought in the Christian word Alleluia. This song is a beautiful way to speak to the attempt at spiritual universality that has always seemed so elusive, and the power of music to invoke spiritual feelings among a wide range of audiences around the world. Listen Up is hosted by me, Caitlin Daly. Our research assistant is Marissa Moore. Listen Up is produced by the New Haven Symphony Orchestra in partnership with the School of Communication, Media, and the Arts at Sacred Heart University. Yeah.